Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BLEAV to receive your bonus. That's B L E A V. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Welcome to the Believe in 76ers podcast. I'm Justin Grasso. And this is a podcast dedicated to covering the Philadelphia 76ers on the Believe Podcast Network. Kev, for the first time in a pretty long time, it's been a busy week for the 76ers. Last time we spoke, it was right after media day. And then on Tuesday, they kicked off training camp for the first time since when was training camp last year? It was December 1st, right? Yeah, had to have been something like that. Right. So the, the season started like right after Christmas. Yeah, that, it was a really quick turnaround. So it yeah. hasn't even been a year um, since the Sixers were in training camp, but they're back at it, back in the gym. And the last time we spoke, obviously, a lot of it was dominated by the elephant in the room, which is Ben Simmons' absence. We all expected it. We knew it was coming as early as August. It's real. Ben hasn't been there. So before we even get to talking about everything that's happened recently with Ben Simmons, we'll just pick up where we left off the last time. We were talking about the point guard position. Me and you stated pretty much the obvious. We think Tyrese Maxey might get the starting nod to at least start the preseason. So you've been in the building. When you walked in that first day was on Tuesday. You saw the first unit and Tyrese Maxey was the starting point guard, correct? Correct. So, I mean, is, is that what it is? Has it been that for three days now? It has. It's been all week. Uh, pretty shocking, to be honest. I, I think I said it on the last pod as well. I feel like there was going to be kind of a, a quiet tournament of how the point guard position was going to go down. Many expected Tyrese Maxey to be chosen, and it, it does feel like he's going to get first cracks. But I'm still I'm still in the shake mill wagon. I think he's going to get his shot eventually. He's looked really great as well. Uh, obviously, we don't get to see too much of them practicing, but we see a lot of the post-practice workouts, and Shake has been you know, one of the last guys on the floor pretty much every day. His shot looks great. So hopefully that's a very positive sign. And I just think what he brings, there's still a tiny chance that we see Shake Milton maybe try and take that a point guard position on for a little bit. But, yeah, as of now, it looks like Tyrese Maxey will at least start the preseason as the starting point guard. And are we hearing anything about maybe like this? We're not going to have a point guard where just anybody can carry the ball up. Doc Rivers hinted at kind of a, a point guard by committee type of thing. He more talked about it in transition. 
He mentioned Tobias Harris as a guy to where if Tobias Harris comes down with a rebound, he would like to see him push as well to where in the past they would more gather the rebound and give it to Ben because of just the dominant force that he was in transition. It made the most sense to get it in his hands and then push, but it feels like it's going to be one of those. We'll see multiple guys bring it up the floor without uh, throughout a game. He did mention that Tyrese Maxey will do it a majority of the time, but Guys like Seth Curry, Tobias Harris, I'm sure we'll see Joel Embiid do it when he feels like it. So it definitely does feel like it's not going to be one guy is going to try and fill in uh, where Ben leaves that hole. And rightfully so, because no one guy is going to be able to replace what he does as a facilitator. He might be, uh, you know, use whatever words you want about his character right now. He's still an elite level facilitator and that's tough to replace. So I think Doc Rivers is right in that sense of saying that we're going to do things by committee and it's not going to be one guy to replace everything that Ben's leaving. Yeah, because there's no treasure right now for the Sixers, so they have to yeah, kind of make up. No for treasure, that. no treasure. But it's funny because I, I kind of like hearing this week about like just think about the idea of a Tobias Harris point forward. Well, listen, we saw it at times last season, and it worked. I was looking at Tobias's box score. I mean, listen, he's coming off a career high in assists. Granted, it was only like three and a half. But that's with a guy like Ben dominating the ball who does most of the facilitating. Uh, I really think that if you use him more in a point forward role, that he it's something he could do. We saw some six, seven, eight assist games from Tobias Harris last year, more so when he was kind of the guy running the second unit. So I don't know if it's kind of your full-term solution, but I definitely think it's an avenue that Doc Rivers can explore more, and there could be some success there. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you don't have – like the full-term solution, like it could be Tyrese Maxey. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think it's there yet. I think yeah. that eventually they're going to look for that point guard. But I mean, at this point you have been, they're not trading them unless like Dame Lillard becomes available tomorrow. So you're just, he's not going to be in the building. So this is your time where you can actually experiment. Cause listen, Tobias Harris, you know, contrary to popular belief in Philadelphia is a good player. Joel Embiid is arguably one of the best players in the league. So like the Sixers are a playoff team. Like they're going to make the playoffs. I don't know if they're getting the first seed. I don't know which seed they're going to get. Regardless, they're a playoff team. The beginning of the season, they can experiment. They can figure it out. Like, all right, well, we can start Tyrese Maxey or we can play Tobias Harris as a point forward. Hell, they could even throw Seth Curry as a point guard. I don't know. Like there's, there's so much that the Sixers can do and experiment with. And I think honestly, that might put, it might make, you know, them a more interesting team to start the season. I think it will as well. I, I just think ball movement in general is going to be key for them because like you said, there's no one guy who's going to be this premier facilitator. As long as they play team basketball and everyone plays the right way and they move the ball properly. I think it doesn't really matter who's bringing it up or quote unquote initiating the offense. I think this team is still going to rack up assists. You still have those great shooters with Danny Green, Seth Curry, Tyrese Maxey's improved the shot as well. We saw the two man game with Tobias and Joel work efficiently as well. So it's still going to be there. They, they still have all the talent. And I agree. We could see a very different element from the Sixers offense now because the guys who are going to be running the show at the top of the perimeter, they they can do it on all three levels. And that's something we haven't seen in the past because of Ben's shortcomings. So there definitely will be some some new looks. I think the Curry and B two-man game is something they should try and make a focal point after how successful it was in the postseason. But like you said, the beginning of the season, these are 
early weeks, now is the time to experiment because you have no idea when or if a Ben trade is going to come. So we talk about the point guard position. Obviously, that's a story that kind of dominated training camp early on. So there's the Sixers didn't make any big splashes in the offseason, but they kind of had a quiet offseason. They made some solid signings. Uh, they shocked the world with Andre Drummond, who was before uh, Embiid's arch nemesis. Now he's Embiid's backup. There's Niang, who, I mean, really was just such a such an upgrade over Mike Scott. As, or at least that's what we think. <laughs> so three days in, obviously today the Sixers are off, but after those first three days, what, what are you kind of gauging from the new guys? They seem like they're going to be good fits. Uh, one thing I will say, seeing Andre Drummond in person, absolutely massive human being. He is just <laughs> – the, the man is built. I'll say that. I, w- I was very blown away uh, seeing him in media day and in camp of just how – just the physical presence that he is. I mean, same thing with Embiid, but I, I was a little shocked by Drummond. But he's looked good uh, yesterday, or I guess would have been Thursday. We saw a small glimpse of practice, and he was being really disruptive on the perimeter defensively. So I think that's a very positive sign. Uh, last year, Dwight Howard really struggled against stretch fives, and it feels like that's not going to be a problem with Drummond. He's moving around on the floor great, you know, being the the rebound menace that he is. And same with Niang. Like you said, he's going to be a drastic upgrade over Mike Scott. The shots look good. Guys have talked about how easy he is to play with and how smart of a basketball player he is. So Doc Rivers talked about on media day that he thinks Niang is going to be this kind of under-the-radar signing that could pay huge dividends for the Sixers. And hearing the way guys have talked about him and seeing a, a quick glimpse of how he's looked at kind of meshing with these guys on the floor, it really feels like he could be that sneaky X-factor for the Sixers this season. Yeah, I mean, even when they signed him and you you just look at his stats in, in Utah, he wasn't like a guy that really the whole league was talking about. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you come to the Sixers, you shoot over 40% from three, like, welcome. Yes. <laughs> like, the Sixers just could never use enough shooting. And, I mean, like I said, you, you look at Mike Scott the last, was two, three years, and he just, I mean, aside from that half of, you know, back end of that, uh, was it 2019? Yeah, that first, yeah, that first half of the season he got here. I mean, his shot fell off. Yeah, and then it just, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it was last year, but I mean, to go from that to to Niang, who is already proven, like, all right, he has a few years of steadily hitting shots. Now he comes to the Sixers, where they're still a good team. I mean, Utah is a good team, but Sixers obviously are, you know, they have some very talented players as well. So now we talk about obvious, you know, new players, some obvious players. What are some of the under the radar standouts? What's, what's one name that you're hearing a lot of good things about? Jake Milton's been one doc said he's done a really good job commanding that second unit and being kind of their leader on the floor which is great to hear, obviously, because he'll, if Tyrese Maxey is going to get first cracks at the starting lineup, Shake will most likely remain that full-time six-man. And then another name, Matisse Thibel. I mean, this is, outside of Doc Rivers, multiple players have talked about how great he's looked, Danny Green being one. Doc Rivers you know, went on a long rant about how uh, he feels the Olympics was a great experience for Matisse Thibel. And then when he came home from Tokyo, uh, he actually spent – uh, about a little over a week training with Tobias Harris as well. Uh, Matisse talked about it on Thursday. He said it was something that 
you know, Tobias reached out to him and said, Hey, I have everything set up. Like just come train with me for a week. And uh, it feels like that changed Matisse in a sense of, he got to see how a pro works. He got to see a different style of off season workouts and it's changed him for the better. Danny Green said there's a change in demeanor, a change in confidence. So it really feels like Matisse Thibel has a chance to finally take that next step. Yeah, obviously it's it's all about the three-point shot with Matisse. If he just like hits a, hits a few more threes, he's in the starting lineup probably. He's probably in there over, over Danny Green. I also like what uh, Doc brought up too is saying that Matisse should be scoring more in transition as well. It's funny because you don't really think about it too much, but Matisse is actually pretty fast. <laughs> so He's just a great athlete in general. Yeah, it's surprising that he actually doesn't score as much because there are a few times like in the past two years where he had those flashes and he mm-hmm. breaks away and then, you know, throws down a nice little dunk. But it's it actually really is. You never really think about it. It's shocking. He hasn't scored more in transition. Yeah, there's there's a lot of easy buckets for Matisse Thibault out there, and it's something Doc talked about. He said he wants two breakaways a game from Matisse Thibault, and he thinks it's something that he could easily achieve with his defensive prowess. And like you said, he's a great athlete. I mean, he's he's quick, he's got great size, and he's got great balance as well. So I think that's a very easable, easy attainable goal for him. And outside of the shot, I mean, if they can utilize him as a cutter as well, it's something we saw at times last season. You know, while Matisse Thibault might not be known for his offensive prowess. He does move rather well without the ball. So I think if you can continue to add that element of getting him going as a cutter in the half court, the shot improving as well, obviously would be a great step. And then utilizing him in transition, there's a way, there's a path there to making him any sort of positive on the offensive end. And if you can figure out that side of the floor, then it completely unlocks the other. And we all know what Matisse Thibault can do defensively. The, the key is, you know, turning him into a suitable offensive player that he can play those longer minutes and they're going to need it now with Ben gone. I mean, they, they're going to need that primary defender. And and this is a chance for Matisse Thibault to get himself in that first team all defense conversation, get him maybe even in that defensive player of the year conversation. So it's great to see that doc already has a plan in place of, you know, helping Matisse take that next step after a great off season. Yeah. Here's the good thing about Matisse is his offensive numbers are so underwhelming. Yeah. that <laughs> it's hard to do really, any worse and yeah any improvement is like it's great and then it's like he's so good on defense he's already on the floor like he averaged yeah. 20 minutes i think last year yeah it's like he already gets all of these minutes because of his defense alone so really any sort of improvement on offense is like this this is awesome yeah. If they can figure out a way to get him like 10 points a game, maybe not even 10 points a game, but anywhere around 10 to where you can up his minutes from 20 to 27, 28, you know, maybe even try and flirt with 30. That is, it it will do wonders for the Sixers. For sure. And I want to pivot back for a second to shake Milton. Um, Was there any indication that Doc Rivers kind of feels the same way about him as last year where he was like, He's, he's the spark off the bench. He's a, somebody that I don't necessarily see in the starting lineup. Those words weren't used exactly, but I think hearing him compliment the way that he's kind of put the work in to adapt to more of a point guard style and be someone that, that can run a second unit, it feels like he does still see him in that light and that he feels his, his potential or maybe his ceiling is kind of that six-man super sub type guy. Interesting. Okay. So we also, you had an under the radar guy that we talked to on here. He was in the starting lineup on, what was it, day three? Yes. 
day three. So Sixers fans will enjoy this one. I'll let you do the honors. Who was starting <laughs> over Joel Embiid on Thursday? All right, so he he wasn't starting over him. Well, but, he was, well, it, he was well, with the well, first we, unit. Sorry, yeah. I, I'm not saying Joel Embiid's moving to yeah. the bench, everybody. When we got into the gym on Thursday before media availability, Paul Reed was playing center with the first unit. Interesting. Because like... B-ball Paul, think, out, out the mud. Yeah, many would think, all right, maybe you'll throw Andre Drummond in there, which is interesting now I think about that. I wonder if Doc even runs Andre Drummond with any first team stuff, or does he still have that same mindset that he had with Dwight Howard last year? I don't know. It, it, it's tough. I mean, we haven't seen it yet, but there's going to be games where Andre Drummond starts. And Doc, Doc has even talked about that after the signing of Andre Drummond. Of It gives them somebody that can come in and give suitable center in the minutes. Maybe they've done it, but you know, with nobody in the gym, I'm sure it's something that we'll see. And I would hope, Doc works on because I'm like Andre Drummond, you know, they brought in a younger backup center to be more Embiid insurance to get him through the regular season and make sure he's fully healthy for the playoffs. So while we might not have seen it yet, I'm sure Andre Drummond does get, if Paul Reed is getting reps with the first unit, I would assume that Andre Drummond is getting them as well. You never know. Cause like no, literally no disrespect year, to Paul Reed, but well, remember Doc, said, Doc said himself, year, Andre Drummond is still above Paul Reed. At center on the depth well, yeah, chart. Yeah, we know that, but we all know Doc's mindset too. When Joel Embiid's out, it doesn't always mean, all right, backup center, you're starting. Because if you remember last year, Dwight Howard, you would think would start. And he said, no, we're going to keep Dwight Howard coming off the bench. Tony Bradley's going to start. Or Mike Scott. Or Mike Scott. Or just have Ben Simmons play the five. Yeah. Uh, who knows? I mean, listen, I, I would assume that Andre, even if it's minimal, he has to get some reps with them because there's, there's going to be situations where it happens. Andre Drummond is going to start games for the Sixers this season. All right. All right. You're in Doc's head. You're smart enough to get in Doc's head. <laughs> <laughs> so we talk about everything good that happened. Obviously, we have to get to the topic that everybody's talking about. Joel Embiid, he spoke on media day. And obviously, a lot of his availability was taken up by Ben Simmons following Joel's um, talk about Ben, where he made it clear, I'm disappointed in the situation, not just Ben himself. I want to play with Ben. think we can still win together. There's that. The following day, Sam Amick of The Athletic puts out a report, clearly talked to Ben's reps or Ben or whoever he talked to, sources. And that's when it came out that Ben Simmons is finished playing with Embiid doesn't think that uh, their styles match up or doesn't think that Joel's style matches up with his style is what it comes down to. So Joel didn't talk the first day. He didn't talk the second day. Finally talked the third day. And he pulled off the classic, today is the day. I'm going to rant. I'm going to put everything out on the line. Now, I will say when you read it, it looks like he's just like going off and snapping. But, you know, when you actually hear it, he's very calm and still makes it clear. Listen, I will play with this guy like I can play with anybody. That's that. But calls it what it is. Borderline disrespectful. There's guys out here putting everything on the line. They're out here preparing for the season. Ben's out in L.A. liking pictures on Instagram, trying to be like somewhat of a troll sitting in his pool while his team is, you know, out there practicing 
and Joel laid it all out on the line. Yeah, and it's funny. There's a lot to unpack from what uh, Embiid said because it starts off rather nonchalant because, you know, he simply asked his his opinion on the report and he says – you know, I don't think it's true. I feel like I can play with anybody and I think I can make anybody better, which I think is more than suitable to say. There's plenty of guys that have come in here and had some of their best years playing alongside Joel Embiid. And him and Ben Simmons have made it work over the past few seasons. The numbers and the record don't lie. And then the entire can of worms opens. And, you know, the the Jimmy Butler situation is brought up. And Embiid basically says he felt like, the team has always been catered to his needs, and that's what led to the Al Horford signing. But I think the the, the biggest takeaway for me was at the very end, even after admitting all that and saying that, you know, they've pretty much uh, given him everything he's wanted and, and catered everything to him and pretty much just told him Embiid to deal with it. Embiid was still uh, mature enough to admit that they're a better team with Ben Simmons than without him. So I think that, you know, kind of speaks to where Embiid's at right now that he understands the situation. And while he's still, you know, there's definitely animosity there towards Ben. He's still in the right frame of mind to admit that they're the Sixers are still a better team when he's here. It's definitely a good look for Embiid to do that because it shows maturity. It shows leadership at the same time. It doesn't, it does not make a difference. (laughs) Ben Simmons, like it's it the situation right now is just way too much. Like I can't imagine there's really a scenario where Embiid truly feels like he can play with this guy again. Especially like like what he's doing right now is just so cowardly. Like you Absolutely. can't play with him. Like this guy literally changed his like he expanded his game in any way he could just to suit you. And then you look at Ben Simmons in the playoffs, and it's like pass the ball off and go hide in the corner. Like, come on. Like, this is crazy. So I, I'm, I left when you said, cause I have to bring this up when you brought up the Al Horford, <laughs> when Joel said they signed Al Horford. So obviously the Jimmy thing made a lot of noise. Cause Joel basically reveals the Sixers got rid of Jimmy Butler because Ben needed the ball in his hands, which was like a great shot by the way. Um, so everyone's all up in arms about that because obviously they want to keep Jimmy Butler. And I couldn't believe that people aren't flipping out at the fact that the Sixers signed Al Horford, which is like everyone's least favorite signing. They signed Al Horford for Ben Simmons. How that's not pissing people off more is like crazy to me. Yeah, I, I think it's more just people. There was a lot of speculation when Jimmy was first traded that there was a rift between him and Ben. So I think hearing Joel say it and pretty much confirm it is why people just kind of ran down the rabbit hole with it, especially because if Ben could have accepted deferring to Jimmy at times, I mean, if you look at it now, a big being completely honest, a big three of Joel Embiid playing at the level he is right now, Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons, that's a big three that could run the East for at least the next half decade. So, I mean, I think that's why people are so mad. It's just there's so much left on the the table when you think about that trio. And then not to mention the Sixers just completely screwed everything up by bringing in Horford in an attempt to cater to Simmons. And that didn't even work out that well, if we're being completely honest. I mean, they wanted Al Horford to be the backup stretch five for when Ben's lineups were on the floor. 
and they really only ran together in the starting lineup. All the spacing was off. Everything was still a mess. Al Horford had his good games, don't get me wrong, but the fact that they saw that as the answer to, to fixing the Simmons problem when there's a million centers out there that shoot the ball from deep now that you could have signed for much cheaper and still pleased everybody. It's just, it, it, there's so much still head scratching to it all. Yeah. I mean, I'll at least, I'll give Ben the slight benefit of the doubt here while. Yeah. I believe him not having the ball in his hands is a big reason why they got rid of Jimmy. Let's also not forget Jimmy Butler could not stand Brett Brown. Brett yeah. Brown was still there the following season. Ben certainly wasn't the only factor, but it feels no. like he definitely was a major one. Yeah, it was. And then the Sixers, I don't even know what Jimmy Butler talked about. He said he heard from like up top. Someone's yeah, like, can you can, control him? And yeah. he like that. That was his last straw. So like there were several factors that played into Jimmy Butler not wanting to be there. It's also worth noting that the, you know, the key move the Sixers made after they traded Jimmy and signed Al Horford was sign Ben to that max extension. He was extension out. That listen, that's another you know inkling to throw in there of all that mess. We see how Ben Simmons acts now. Are we going to try and act like Rich Paul and his camp were in dangling him being extension eligible over their heads during that offseason? Not to mention, you know, that was still the old front office regime regime where you know there was five, six different guys yeah. having it having an input. So you know, there there definitely is a lot to be said there, and I think Ben signing his extension that summer as well is something of note when discussing these MB comments. Yeah. And it's also funny because it's like, we don't even know who ultimately made the decision yeah. to sign Ben to that deal. Like that person might not even be here anymore. So I, I would like to hope it's Elton brand though. You would like the hope. Yeah. I, <laughs> you would like I, the hope. I, I, I'm an optimist, so I'll try and stick with EB, but uh, definitely but doesn't look I, great. I, I actually gave Elton brand a lot of credit. After well, what was that season? It was 2018, 2019. Yeah, 18, like, he pushed all they in. traded, got, they traded for Jimmy Butler. That was the move to make. Yeah. And then when they traded for Tobias, I get a lot of people don't like signing Tobias to the max deal, but when they made that trade at the time, that was big. Like that was a mm. great trade. And I get people later on down the line. Oh, well they could have had Landry Shamit still. I mean, look at Landry Shamit. What team's he on now? I'm like his fourth, on, fourth yeah, different team. I believe he got traded to Phoenix on draft. Yeah. He's right? on, he's on Phoenix, but I'm saying that's like his fourth team, right? Yeah. There's a million Landry Shamits. Like you can find another exactly. one. Exactly. Like it, so everyone kind of lost their minds like a year later after that, but like that's two really good trades that they made. I mean, those were all in moves yes. and like they were there game seven. That was like the unluckiest bounce. Now don't yeah, get me if wrong, Toronto doesn't have magnetic rims. Overtime. Listen, if Toronto's have magnetic rims, maybe EB gets executive of the year. Uh, that year. Don't, don't be Kyrie Irving coming on here. With your <laughs> conspiracy theories. Let's talk about that. By the way, I don't have that as the topics. Uh, there was talk about, Oh, I think it was a Bleacher Report article. Stop it. NBA executives said that a Kyrie and Ben uh, swap could be a thing. I don't believe it for a second. I mean, if you really wanted to put the tinfoil hat on, you could say, uh, I was actually talking about this to someone yesterday. Remember, I forget what season it was. Remember when Kyrie and MB were being all buddy-buddy and there was rumors that they like, exchange numbers and their friends listen granted 
Daryl, there's no way Daryl trades Ben Simmons to the Brooklyn Nets. But there is also the funny aspect of, hypothetically speaking, that trade goes down. Could you imagine after all of this that Ben Simmons and James Harden end up being teammates? That would be crazy. That would be hilarious. That would be ridiculous. But, yeah, I mean, it's Kyrie Irving, the basket, like just from basketball standpoint alone, would be great in Philadelphia. For oh, sure. absolutely. Cons way outweigh the pros at this point because, I mean, I was thinking about it yesterday and I'm just like, one, you don't know if he's going to – like he'll go on like a three-week vacation. Like, yeah. He just lost him for three weeks for no reason at all. Like, listen, I'm all for sometimes you need you need some mental rest days, take yeah. some time off. I get it. Kyrie, Kyrie just yeah. like is like, hey, listen, I don't want to play this week. Yeah. I'm going to go sit out. You can't have that. Then there's the fact that he actually does get injured kind of often. So you might actually lose him to some injury. And then there's obviously right now the NBA's at like this crossroads where some players don't want to get vaccinated. Your choice, whatever. I don't care. I'm not going to get into that. But it affects you because this guy can't even play home games right now. He's in Brooklyn. So it's like those cons outweigh the pros so much and the sixers are like they're a soap opera as it is yeah (laughs) the last thing you need is Kyrie. like the sixers need less like there needs to be less talk about the sixers right now and their drama like it's entertaining to watch but it's like we we don't need to add anymore at that point it almost feels staged yeah not to mention your i mean brooklyn's arguably your biggest threat in the eastern conference and I don't know if you're making them better, but you're certainly giving them a different aspect of now you have James Harden and Kevin Durant, who are two guys that could go score 50 on any team in the NBA, pretty much with their eyes closed if they wanted to. And then you're giving them a lockdown defender at pretty much all five positions in Ben Simmons. So in no, in no way do, uh, (laughs) in no way do I see Daryl Morey pulling off that kind of trade. No. And I mean, I said it from the gate when they were talking about, oh, they might trade him to Toronto or something. I I just don't yeah. – I don't think Ben Simmons is going to a team that has to play the Sixers like a handful of times in the season. It's just – it's one of those things where you, you just don't trade one of your best players to one of your rivals. It's just not yeah. a thing that happens in pro sports. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're a team that feels like your your window to contend right now is is open, you're not going to make someone that could potentially be a threat to you better. It's just – it's not smart business. No. What you do is you send the guy who is kind of giving you a hard time and he loves LA. You send him to Minnesota yeah. where it's freezing cold and it's Minnesota. They're in the West. They're no threat to you whatsoever. And you just send them there and that's that. Listen, so, I mean, Ben was supposed to be the next LeBron. So you might as well just send him to Cleveland and let him live up that mantle. This is true. He could. He could put up. Listen, he could put up. He can go somewhere that's not that good and put up great numbers where they're not going to make the playoffs. I think that is Ben Simmons. I think that Ben Simmons would embrace that. I don't buy, like, after all of this, these last few seasons, I don't buy that he's that starving for a championship. Yeah. We talked about it before you came on here. The guy went to LSU. He went to LSU where he had ties in the coaching staff. What is it? His godfather? Yeah, I think it was his godfather was on the staff. Okay, so someone 
family, close family friend was the coach. So favoritism there. They weren't like, they're not a tournament team. Are you implying that Ben Simmons wasn't cut out for like Kentucky or Duke? I'm implying, I mean, listen, Ben Simmons is a good basketball player. Let's not, let's not get it twisted. I'm not sitting here like, let's, you don't think he's a bust. Let's send Ben to the Shanghai Sharks. Yeah. Not not implying that the guy like, yeah, his, I don't think, I think he probably should have not made the all-star team last year, but the let the two years prior to that. Yes. He was the rookie of the year for sure. Defensive player of the year candidate. Yes, for sure. All that. Like, he's good. He's a good basketball player. He's just not what everyone thought he was. And, I mean, like I said, when you're a good player on a not-so-great team, you tend to shine brighter because it's easy to do that because your team's not actually winning. You're just getting your stats. That, to me, that's Ben Simmons. That's a guy who he's going to go to – I don't even, I don't, I mean, if he goes to Minnesota, they actually might be solid. They have some solid pieces, but if he goes to Oklahoma city, he might tear it up personally. Do you agree? (laughs) No, I agree. I think it's more just, I think it's safe to say, I I don't disagree with anything what you said. I, I think it's more just, I think it's safe to say the jury's out now that Ben Simmons is just a regular season guy. This iteration of him, it's just a regular season guy. I mean, he could still be a really good player. We've seen a, a ton of very good players come out through the history of the game that, you know, didn't really transition well to the postseason. And, you know, Ben just might be one of those guys. It's one of those – it is what it is at this point. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because obviously the Sixers yeah. – you know, we all see the videos in the offseason. The Sixers could use that. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. To quote Joel Embiid. <laughs> you see the videos? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see the videos in the offseason, they could use that. And it's true. Listen. Absolutely. Ben Simmons, I mean, listen, say what you want about how he's handling all this. I don't think he's handling com- completely wrong, and I think he's childish. But I still believe he has all the tools and has all the makings to be a top 10 guy in the league right now. He's a phenomenal athlete. Six foot ten, moves like a guard. He has God given passing ability. Like he can score the ball when he wants to. If, if he, you know, used that shot in games, he could be, a, you know, a top 15, 20, like 10 guy in this league right now. Like there's no denying it. He has all the capabilities and all the makings of being, uh, you know, I don't want to say generational talent, but a very, 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 very good player in this era of the league. Yeah, it's like it's crazy how you could say someone's a three-time All-Star, Defensive Player of the Year candidate, former Rookie of the Year, and still call him like a wasted talent. Because wasted talent. Why wouldn't you put all your tools together? Yeah, it's crazy. Why would, why would you not want to be great? Literally, it it's wild, and it's like, man, I didn't really early on in his career, I didn't buy into the whole. Oh, he just wants to be the star and all this, wants to drive the nice car. But then you look at his Instagram, and it's like. Maybe he does. I don't know. And like, that's fine. Whatever. It is what it is. He's never going to admit like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. I mean, really, that's all. Like, he's always showing off his cars, the chains and all that. And just Dayton Jenner's. Was it? Yeah. $30 million mansion out in LA. And it's like, hey, man, live your life. Do what you got to do. But man, you are just wasted talent. (laughs) Yeah. You're leaving a lot on the table. Yeah. It's unfortunate. But. Sixers back to practice on Saturday, probably. I don't know. I haven't checked. 
I don't know. Schedule ain't yeah. out yet, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming they're going to be back. Um, yep. First game is on October 4th, I believe. Yep. Against uh, Toronto. On the road. Yeah. Toronto. So we will we'll be back. We'll probably recap preseason game one, kind of let everything happen the next few days. And then we'll be back talking in the meantime, Kev, drop your Twitter handle. At Kevin MCC NBA. And mine is at Jay Grasso underscore. And this is the Believe in 76ers podcast presented by Bet Online. Go get your Bet Online uh, promo that we dropped at the beginning. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in. to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.